You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Ed Vincent, and he's the founder and CEO of Festival Pass, which is a flat rate monthly subscription service that allows members unlimited access to festivals. Ed has seven employees and is projecting $40 million in revenue in 2020. He also has a long history as a data entrepreneur, including some time spent as the head of data for MoviePass. So welcome to the show, Ed. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm awesome. Thank you for being here. So when I saw the business idea, Festival Pass, it really caught my attention because you hear about subscription services, you know, SaaS products and everybody using this subscription model and, you know, the Netflix model and Hulu and all these different subscription services. And when I thought about it for what you were doing with festivals, it was just, it was so different it just, I had to learn more. So here we are. We're going to learn a little bit more about that today. Take everybody back and give everybody a real brief intro into kind of how you got here because I know you've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. Catch us up to speed and then let's dig in. Sure. That sounds great. So everything in launching a new business as an entrepreneur ends up being a context to why today, how I got here. And I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Back in the internet 1.0 days, I built an e-commerce company that I sold in 2001. And then through most of the 2000s, I had an agency and it was an experiential marketing agency. And that, that's relevant because it really drove my passion for live events. You know, I really enjoyed activating big brands at festivals and at concerts and film festivals. And we even helped build a couple of film festivals. One was in Vail, Colorado. We did marketing for one in Sonoma Valley. We even owned a film festival down in the Dominican Republic called the Dominican International Film Festival. During that time, I really got excited about what does it mean to have community and be a part of live events and how would that really drive experience. And you know, as we all see today, especially with the millennial audience, experiences are more important for spending discretionary income than actual goods are. So that just has continued since that time frame to go. And fast forward a little bit, I, I built a software as a service company that I sold in 2014. And for the last five years, I've been a partner in a data consultancy for the entertainment space. So we've done a lot of work really understanding consumer behavior across television like A&E networks and AMC networks and screen vision media where you know people run the ads in front of movie theaters. So we would help them forecast who's going to be sitting in the audience. So when I take all of that that past history and I kind of bring it up to speed today. Another client in that consultancy was a company called MoviePass, which a lot of your listeners probably heard of. And it had pretty spectacular rise and fall in terms of one of the fastest growing subscription services ever, faster than Spotify, faster than Netflix. And unfortunately, couldn't sustain a certain business model for multiple reasons. But one of the fascinating parts about being in that mix was I really got to see what works and what doesn't work in building and managing a subscription service. Very cool. So it was MoviePass, right? You said the rise and fall of MoviePass? 
So what, right. I'm assuming that that was a subscription service that was geared towards people just watching movies at a variety of different theaters, or was it more media streaming based? Yeah. So MoviePass, people would pay $10 a month and they would get a card and they could use that card at any 97% of the movie theaters in the US and go to as many movies as they wanted. Wow. So consumers yeah. loved it. Yeah. Uh, but Great value had, proposition. Yeah. It was, but the company had to subsidize a lot of those movie tickets. Yeah. Uh, so there was many, many tens of millions of dollars being burned you know, through the process of doing that. And there was an end goal business model, but there's more to the overall big picture of ensuring that there's a gross margin in being a part of that, that I would never personally go forth and build a business that if I asked the consumer to do more of what I asked them to originally do, that I would start losing money. So I've made sure Festival Pass from day one has a business model that works. And the way we've done that is through a credit-based currency. I'm happy to talk about that a little more if, if it makes sense to you. Yeah, perfect. So, I mean, the advantage of seeing the rise and fall of that is obviously living in advance through through their, you know, the experience that you had there and the pros and cons and what they learned. Obviously, if they could go back and do things differently, they probably would make some very different decisions and you, you have the foresight for that. So, I'm excited. So, why don't you tell people a little bit about Festival Pass for it's so it's in context, right? Because I know sure. it makes sense, right? It's it's to have access to these festivals, but what kind of festivals are you talking about? Is it a wide range? Is it very niche? I mean, what does that look sure. like? Yeah, so great segue. So the first thing is the live events industry that a lot of people just don't know how big it really is. It's globally, it's a two hundred billion dollar industry, and live events means you know everything cross genre. So music, live events, sporting live events, and in that context is throughout the world there's various types of those genres. So within Festival Pass, we are cross-genre. So we have music festivals, film festivals, food and wine festivals, tech and innovation festivals. And the reality is, is even though festival is in our brand and that's our go-to-market is festivals because it really evokes an emotional response to community, it really is any live event. So as we progress going forward, any time that people are gonna get out and do things live and experience something, that will be on the platform, whether that's Broadway, sporting events, you know, really anything, whiskey tastings uh, across the board. Okay, awesome. All right, well, listen, so just to be transparent with everybody, you know, Festival Pass launched what, like mid to late 2019, correct? Correct, at the end of 2019. Yeah, so it's relatively new. And so today, what we're going to talk about and what Ed's going to unpack for us is how he plans on learning from that experience with MoviePass so he doesn't make those same mistakes. But it's really more the strategy, how he plans on launching and ramping up Festival Pass to what he's projecting to potentially do $40 million in 2020. So we're going to talk about a variety of different things. He's going to probably talk about some customer acquisition strategies, whether it be paid, organic, and retention, and you know some of the pitfalls that MoviePass went through that he's not going to stumble on, hopefully. And so I'm going to turn the wheel over to him. He's going to steer. I'm going to try to navigate a little bit, but hopefully we can pull out some nuggets that you guys can all leverage if you're interested in either launching a subscription service or how you might even be able to apply some of these lessons to your SaaS product or whatever it is you're doing. So take it away. Sure. So when I look at the overall strategy to kind of hit the numbers that, that you brought up and mentioned, it really is, it has to start with some fundamentals. So when we looked at the industry, one, was the industry big enough to empower enough consumers to want to be a part of it? And the answer is yes. The second thing is, is the pricing mechanism within the industry flexible enough 
where there's enough gross margin for a marketplace. And that, that was one of the problems that existed in the MoviePass world is there just wasn't any gross margin because the studios controlled pricing. So an exhibitor, a movie theater, even if they had 80% of the people, seats go empty, they could not sell a ticket for $5. They had to sell it for the $15 that the studios required in order to make that happen. So without dynamic pricing, there's really a bit, it's difficult to really find gross margin. So first of all, the live events industry is disaggregated enough in the fact that there is pricing options. So not only is there the potential for gross margin in the business, having gross margin then provides the ability to spend on acquisition. So if you're, if we're looking at, as an example, you know, we have subscription models, $9 a month, all the way up to $99 a month. And at $9, you're getting less credits and you're paying more per credit at $99, you're getting a hundred credits and you're paying a lot less per credit. So effectively, the more you commit, the cheaper it is for you to continue and the more value you're getting about going to all these events. So what's good about that for us is ensuring there's a gross margin in the business for the platform and for us, we can then go out and spend a couple months or a few months gross margin on acquiring a new customer. So if you look at that concept, let's call it an average of $50 per month for customers. It's another thing that's actually great about this industry is that going to live events costs money, right? So $50 a month is not a high ticket price for somebody to pay when they're going to two, three, four events in a month period of time. Whereas there's other subscriptions where it's a very low price. I don't want to go too deep into it, but there's a lot of fundamentals of a marketplace that exist and one is frequency and then the cost of transaction. So we have all the great fundamentals in this live event space. So how do we get these customers? So twofold. One is going to media partners that already reaches a lot of these consumers that really enjoy this live event experience. In the US, radio is a really powerful tool that for many, many years and everybody going digital, a lot of people forgot about, right? So they didn't, they, radio doesn't really come up on the media mix. Number one idea when somebody says, I'm going to buy media to drive people to do something. What's interesting is radio for us is really about the time and place where people are thinking about some of those live experience activities, whether it's a concert or some big event. And for years, for decades, local media, radio, television, newspapers has always been a driver of localized events. So in the process, there, the media mix has changed. So radio doesn't just mean radio. It means digital. It means social. It means all the other aspects, but it's really local media. So what we've done is, you know, from the moment of conception to today, We've been fostering and building partnerships with lots of different local media channels, including radio. So we, at a, in the U.S., out of the top five radio groups, at least three of them will be partners of ours going forward. Some in the format of just partnering to promote, others in the format of giving us millions of dollars of media for equity in our company in order to really bring us to the next level. So oh, Great. So let's dive into that for one second. So you really took Two approaches on the media, rather than just going out and trying to leverage a big spend on a media buy so that you can, you know, reduce your cost there to get further reach, you actually took a kind of peeled the onion back from a partnership perspective even more. And now you're actually exchanging media spend for equity in the company. That's correct. That's oh. correct. So we're in the process as we speak with one of the big radio groups to close that deal. And it's likely within a couple of months, the largest radio network in the US will also follow suit. So what that does for us is it, it enables us to raise other capital in a more efficient way because we're putting that money towards OPEX, which is operating expenses, as opposed to media spend because the media spend's coming already through equity holders in the business. So have you raised any capital to this point? 
We have. We, we've raised some early seed capital. We're in the process of closing some of the media-driven investments. And at some point in the future, we will do another cash capital raise. But the nice thing about this type of business and what's exciting for me is because it's a subscription-based reoccurring business, as long as we effectively spend some of that initial media investment, we'll have tens of thousands of monthly paying subscribers at $50 a month or $29 a month, depending upon what it averages out to be. So we'll be generating hundreds of thousands of dollars of monthly reoccurring revenue just from our media investment. Perfect. Okay, great. Move on. Keep going through that process. I know you've talked about the media partnerships. Go from there. Correct. Yeah. So, so when I look at that whole process and you know, part of what I shared initially is also very contextualized in the way I look at building a business is it's data-driven, right? So everything I look at is data and that data is all about cost of acquisition. So in the process of bringing people on board, we kind of know, not kind of, we do know what we can spend in order to acquire them. And we know the different media channels through which to do so. So the initial one that I mentioned was some of the media partners. Also, Festival Pass, as you can tell if you go to the website, festivalpass.com, you'll notice that it's really a made-for-social brand. Just the concept of social and community and Instagram and Snapchat really is built around the, the engagement of community, both offline and online. So we believe that our paid media spend through social is going to be highly effective. We've just begun kind of seeding our you know, Instagram account with beautiful imagery and building a brand around it. And in the next month or so, we're going to start pushing out some of that highly effective media spend in order to truly grow you know, an Instagram-like brand within this space. So what we'll see is a combination of everything hitting at the same time. Our media partners really driving some of that big awareness on the radio level and digital, while at the same time, everybody will start seeing highly targeted social campaigns throughout every major city that we're growing. So we've launched initially a focus on New York, LA, Atlanta, and did I say that? New York, LA, and Miami. And then with these radio partnerships, as we enter into them, and you're going to be a recipient of it up in Buffalo, one of our media partners has a significant amount of radio stations in the Buffalo area. So we'll be focusing a lot on building events and traction where those radio markets are. And what's great about the media mix is the radio markets will seed the awareness and then we'll follow up directly on paid social spend with highly targeted campaigns directed towards the people that live in, in those areas where they've already heard about us through some of the media. So you talk about the promotional side, right? Which is the media spend online, offline, local. But then you have to aggregate all of these festivals. And I'm assuming they're pretty small, right? A lot of them are probably small, very localized, like you said, you know, where people live, right? In the Buffalo area, I know there's a ton of festivals, particularly in the summer, because the weather's a lot nicer, of course, the summer and fall. But how do you aggregate all those? I mean, that's got to be, that's got to take a lot of time and energy just to be able to develop relationships with them, because that's a, that's, you're talking about thousands, probably tens of thousands of festivals by the time you're, I mean, how many different festivals do you guys have under your realm right now, under your umbrella? Yeah. So the answer feeds both of your questions. So at the end of the day, yes, it would be very difficult to go one-off and do separate deals with individual events and festivals. So just like any kind of business, there's the short tail and the long tail. And in the short tail, there are companies that have already aggregated a lot of the, this, the businesses. So for example, one of the media partners that is going to be investing in our platform also happens to own 400 live events, specifically in the Buffalo area. So immediately upon the deal, those 400 events are on our platform. One of the other major radio groups actually manages and owns 20,000 events a year across all of their markets. 
we're still trying to push them over the line to get all of their events on the platform. So we'll see when those come on board, but we're not, the platform isn't dependent upon that. That would just be very enriching to have those as well. We've already done deals with a number of ticketing platforms that themselves already have thousands of events within their ticketing environment. So immediately we can have the ability in our major markets to have lots and lots of content and the ability to redeem for certain events. So the key strategy is to fill those markets with enough content to make the subscription exciting and then go one-off to all the big, exciting events that we love. So one great example, we haven't done the deal yet. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, worth talking. It's going to help the deal or not help the deal, but there's one of the biggest music festivals in the world. It's called Summerfest out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 800,000 people go to that festival over two weeks. So we've been in discussions with Summerfest, and if we're able to close the deal with Summerfest, what that does is it, it opens the entire Chicago, Michigan, Wisconsin market for us. So then we'll underlay Chicago with hundreds of other events, knowing we have this big, exciting, sexy event called Summerfest that everybody can still utilize to go to on our platform. So how do the help you understand the economics of this, right? So I mean, let's take that example, Summerfest, or if you don't want to talk in detail about that, we can pick anyone, whatever you want to go. But you know, you have somebody who's got 800,000 people coming to an event and theoretically they're paying X dollars to enter the event, right? They've got a, some sort of admission fee typically to get into that event, I'm assuming, right? They got to pay some sort of ticket price to get in. And what do those ticket prices typically range? I mean, they probably range anywhere from five to 50 bucks maybe. I mean, that's a pretty good range. Yeah. So there's two answers to it. Yeah. So you can pay $5 up to $500. There's some three-day festivals like Coachella that cost $250, $300 to go to. But you're right. And that was why it was so vitally important for us to have a credit-based business model, Mm -hmm. because that credit-based model allows people to spend on whatever festivals they desire. So a $5 like admission is two credits, whereas a $50 like admission would be 36 credits. I'm using those as an example. Once you have a, a credit bank, you can choose to spend it how you wish. So it's not one for one tickets, it's the credit. Okay, so that makes total sense. That's where you connect the dots. Yeah, okay, now that makes sense. Got it. So like you said, a higher ticket event is just going to cost more credits, which is accommodated for in the subscription. And they can accumulate these credits over time. They don't have to use them every month. They can just accumulate them. Even if they're accumulating them over the winter and they're not going to a lot of events, like maybe in Buffalo in the summertime, they can use all those credits. So they've got a big bank of credits and then they can use them. That is absolutely correct. So the, the more you commit to on a monthly basis, the cheaper per credit price you have, the more value you get. So it is like a savings account in some capacity is why not spend $50 a month and get a lower price per credit so that the time by the time spring or summer comes, I have a few hundred credits in my bank and I'm going to go to tons of events and I'm going to get it at a better deal. Got it. Perfect. Okay, great. All right. So we talked about how you're developing the partnerships to get the events. We talked about how you're going to use you know, some traditional media and some digital media to drive customer acquisition and engagement. What else? Where else do you want to take this? How are we going to get there? 40 million is sure. a, big, it's a big step, right? We got, a, we got a long ways. How many customers do you think that will equate to, you know, subscribers, do you think that'll equate to to hit that rev number? So I'm going to do the math right now backwards because uh, you know, it really all depends on what that average monthly Ticket price is. per customer is. Yeah. Or, or the spend is. And we don't really know yet, but we will over time. And then, so, so basically, if, if you're looking at, you know, you can do the math in general. So 100,000 subscribers at an average $50 a month is $5 million a month times 12 is $60 million a year. So 
just under 100,000 subscribers would be that $40 million number that we're talking about. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. So yeah, and obviously your your early revenue here, right? You've got some subscribers and you're early on in this process, but you're really looking to ramp it up. So you got to make some assumptions on what the average, you know, the average subscription is going to be, what the lifetime value, how long they're going to keep the subscription for. I mean, a lot of this stuff you're going to be figuring out over time. And that's what may, that's what I think what makes this really interesting because what I think, Ed, and I'm saying this now, is I think that you know, towards the end of the year, we should have a follow-up and see how things went. Absolutely. Because ultimately, I mean, you're putting yourself out here right now. You're not telling the story in hindsight. You're telling the story in advance. And so sure. you're, you've been willing to put yourself out there and say, hey, listen, you know, I, this is the plan. There's obviously, you know, every plan is only as good as until you get into the middle of the ring and get punched in the face. And I'm sure yeah. you're going to take some jabs and some right hooks, sure. but it's going to be a learning process. So I'm excited about that. And I think that that differentiates you from most of the guests that I've had on because they're telling a lot of their stories in hindsight. So sure. I'm excited sure. to see what happens. Is there anything else you want to talk about specific to how you plan on ramping this up or some, maybe some key components that you think will, could potentially make or break the results? Sure. So there's really, there's two other ones, right? So you asked in the, in the media mix, um, obviously having a conversation like we are today will, will make this uh, company aware to other people. Starting in the next month or two, there's going to be a heavy PR push. And what gets fun about brands like this, and this is why I'm super excited about it, is every media channel loves to talk about things like this, live events. So as we get into spring, you know, these trends about, you know, where millennials are spending their money, where people are going in the spring, you know, this is ripe for, on the entrepreneur side, it's Fox News and, you know, business news. Uh, but on the consumer side, it's good. It's, you know, Good Morning America and every morning show throughout the country hearing about spring coming and wh- where am I going to go? And what am I going to do? And we have a really great PR team here in New York that's kind of beginning that process to really build out that, that kind of global expansion on the news cycle. So that's one. And then the other thing is um, really corporate partnerships, right? So when we talk about the idea that how do you retain a millennial, I keep referring millennials only because they are known to love experiences, but how do I retain somebody in my business? What is my HR program for them? What if I gave 5,000 employees and I gave every employee a festival pass membership and they can go to any event they want? Like what a great perk. Like uh, I work for this company and I can go to any event I want. I can go to film festivals. I can go to all paid for by the company. And there's an economic model that really makes that work for the company. So, you know, the way we look at it for the company is as long as they're paying the minimum monthly subscription fee, so $9 a month. So if I have a thousand employees, 5,000 employees, I'm committing to $9 a month. And then we'll provide a credit pool for all of their employees. And they'll only then have to pay us for the usage. Oh, that's interesting. So that's more of a corporate type program where they come in. Oh, so that's a totally different angle on customer acquisition. Very interesting from a retention from a, you know, acquiring and retaining talent in your organization, using that as a, as a perk. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, a couple, one company alone could hit our $60 million a year uh, budget by having, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 employees. Yeah. Time for you to go to take some trips to San Francisco, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's some big, yeah. I heard there's some big guys up there that like to employ millennials particularly. So <laughs> yes. pretty cool. Well, listen, Hey, listen, a couple rapid fire questions, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. What's your favorite growth tool or software that you use to grow your business? Maybe a SaaS product or an app of some sort, something that you're using regularly to help you grow your business. Yeah, I don't know if this is a growth tool itself, but you know, to manage any kind of distributed company where it's a remote office, you can't do it without Slack. It just enables everybody to communicate better, 
and has a lot of integrations to tools. Yeah. Slack is definitely a popular one for sure. And what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience? Maybe something that helped you along in your journey or you think would help them along in theirs? Sure. One of my favorite books is, uh, it's called Measure What Matters. So uh, it's John Doerr from um, you know, the VC world created a, a KPI process. And you know, coming from a data perspective, I love measuring things. But again, measure what matters, build overall goals like we're talking about. How do we as a company hit $40 million by the end of the year? Well, we, we need 100,000 subscribers. How do we get 100,000 subscribers? Well, this quarter, we need 30,000 subscribers. How does this quarter do we hit 30,000? So it really backs into overall company-wide goals with very simple, easy-to-measure goals. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, Ed, let everybody know how they can learn more about Festival Pass, connect with you maybe on social or your website, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Great. So um, festivalpass.com is the easiest place to find everything you need to know about Festival Pass. You can sign up for free and, you know, and find out about all the events and then upgrade to a paid plan when you're ready. We're on any of the social media uh, places. So uh, Instagram, just search Festival Pass and Snapchat, Facebook. And as we continue going forward, those channels will be more and more relevant from a messaging standpoint for us. Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, I'll make sure I put all those links in the show notes. I really appreciate you here being here today. I'm excited because you, you know, you've got a, a huge task in front of you, but it sounds like you've got a great plan and a great team. So maybe we'll follow up here later in the year, see how things are going and, uh, and we'll touch base then. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Ed. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.